Welcome back, everybody. Let's take a break with Steven. Mr. Steven Shames. I like the vest, my friend. How's it yeah, going? Yeah, I'm going a little uh, preppy today. You know, it's good. It's a it's a little chilly in LA, which is weird. Um, so I don't know what the weather's supposed to be like really here because it's changing all the time, which is good weather. You know, better than freezing cold or blistering hot. That's what I said. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so what do we got today, Alex? Yeah, let's jump in. We're getting some uh, some some wacky characters, um, mostly people you probably never heard of, and then just one you know classic character. Um, so we're gonna talk wool. Uh, Hugh Howley's wool. Um, we're going to talk Gen V, which is a boy spinoff. Uh, we're going to talk The Foreigner uh, and not the great band from, from the 70s and 80s that you probably love, Stephen, and had all their tapes, cassettes. The wearer of this belt shall possess all the superpowers of 70s supergroup, Foreigner. Foreigner! You bet I will. Hey, guys! What are you doing in my house without my permission? You have the foreigner belt. Wait a second, is that from the 83 tour? Yeah, I saw those guys in the Meadowlands with Brian Adams. That was a kick-ass show! Uh, and then we're gonna talk the Rhino. Let's go! Move it! <laughs> Here live on Park Avenue at 56th Street, where it is complete chaos. A man in some sort of weaponized armored suit is wreaking havoc on Midtown. Okay, uh, so where are we starting today, my friend? Yeah, let's talk about. Hugh Howley's Wool. By the way, the show is actually great. I heard good. I've heard nothing but good things. Nothing but good things. Uh, a couple of, uh, I don't say plot twists, but a couple of things that I didn't really see coming that I saw in that show. It's very, it's a very original, unoriginal idea. Like, of course, like the you know the the post apocalyptic world and some other things going on, but like the fact that it's like there, all these people are in these kind of like canister underground and like nobody knows what's going on, on the outside like it's very interesting it's a very interesting yeah take, and common you know? is Com- i think common's in it right and he's I think really so. good yeah he's really good yeah and the, um, the funny part about like this like this comic and this character and these characters in the tv show or whatever this guy that wrote it hugh howley like he self-published his book he wrote it on like his his lunch breaks <laughs> while he's working for like barnes and noble or something he was a bookseller so like wow this is a wacky wacky thing for it to get picked up this crazy how come you never come up with ideas like that on your lunch uh, break? I mean, I have them. I just, I'm too lazy to write them down. <laughs> I All take right, very so, long lunch breaks. Uh, Hugh Howley's uh, Wool, number one, from Cryptozoic. Unfortunately, the CEO passed away recently. Oh, um, no. Uh, uh, John Sepinek, Um, Yeah, he passed away um, while he was uh, uh, surfboarding. Mm. Um, yeah, very, very sad uh, story. Anyway, um, Cryptozoic, uh, July of 2014, 
Uh, there are 12, 9.8. It's 175 to $200 plus, plus, plus because of the, the series now. It's really, series, really yeah. going up. Yeah, same creator as Silo uh, on Apple TV. Justin Gray and Jimmy Pamiati story. Jimmy Broxton art with a Darwin Cook cover. Interesting Darwin nice. Cook cover. Yeah. Okay, what do we got next, Alex? The ever hot the boys, Gen V, the spinoff. Yeah, I mean, you know, the uh, the boys have had a lot of legs. I think yeah. more legs than people probably thought when the show first Definitely. went on the air. Definitely. Um, so popular that this Gen V is now the spinoff uh, mm-hmm. on Amazon. So, so talk about uh, who Gen V is. Yeah, so Gen V is kind of, uh, you know, the boys is, is a satirical comic, you know, about superheroes. You know, Homelander is kind of like Superman. Um, and then like you have your Aquaman and your and your 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 Batman analogies. So Gen V is kind of this uh, like what if there was like an X Men teen uh, college age series um, within the within the boys universe. So like you have like you have your you know your 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 Gen G Mansion that's like so you have a Charles Xavier type character and all the characters are kind of uh, you know tongue in cheek X Men the original X Men characters. Um, so this was just a, a story in the in the comics universe. It wasn't like a huge. It wasn't a, its own spinoff, but now they're being picked up. So of course, middle of the road road um, issues are getting like scooped up. Yep. Uh, so the boys number twenty four came out in two thousand eight. Uh, there are thirty nine nine point eights. Uh, it's about one hundred eighty five dollar plus plus book. Yep. Uh, there's a sketch cover. There's only nine nine point eights. That's about one hundred seventy five dollars. Wow. And then there's the Howard Chaykin variant cover. There's only five nine point eights. Those have been selling in the hundred dollar range, but they're going to be up higher. Yeah. Yeah, the the original cover is the National Lampoon Animal House movie poster cover yes. homage. Uh, and Beautiful. of course, it's Garth Ennis with uh, Derek Robertson, of course. Beautiful. So um, yeah, so boys number twenty four is the issue that you want first appearance. Okay. Alex's pick of the week. What do you got for us, Alex? Is, are uh, you going to talk about vest today? Is that what you're going to talk uh, about? I, uh, uh, see my vest. Uh, no, I'm not going to talk about vest today. I'm actually going to talk about something that you're going to have more info than I'm going to have. Um, okay. You know, we've talked about it a couple times, but let's actually, I want to actually talk about like old wizard magazines. Like these are starting to pick up. Like, like the number ones, obviously, you know, amazing cover, Todd McFarland, Spider-Man cover, like homage out of this world, you know, all over the place. But the first five magazines are, are, you know, not, they're not hard to find, but they're pricey. If you want a nice shape one, I know when I had when my wizard magazine collection, like I did not take care of them. They were magazines. I didn't, you know, keep them in nice shape. So finding like crisp, nice copies of number one, two, and three, like, you know, these are these magazines. I mean, I, I don't, they weren't cheaply made, but they weren't made, but like the highest quality magazine paper at the time. So like, I, these can't be a lot of these can't be like easy to find in like nine sixes and nine eights. Okay, so we'll talk about number one today. Yeah, awesome. Okay, on number one, uh, we had the direct market version, which had no UPC code on it, which probably, I don't remember, but it was it had a pretty decent print run. But remember, yeah. when people buy stuff from comic shops, especially with Todd McFarlane, they, they tend to keep it in good condition. Right. There was the San Diego Comic-Con version, which we printed about I think 5,000 copies, five or 10,000 copies. They were handed out at San Diego Comic-Con. But again, uh, I believe they were handed out either bagged and boarded, or again, if you're getting a comic book or a magazine with that kind of artwork on the cover, they were very, very well protected. Then there was the newsstand version. And there were many, 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 many more newsstand versions printed. um, And they're out in circulation. However, in high grade, they're much, much rarer. 
because by definition, the newsstand versions, certainly back then they were on spinner racks. Uh, they were on those shelves that you remember in Barnes and Noble, those shelves <laughs> yeah. where people would bend, yeah. would bend the magazines to look what was behind what they used to just shove them in the things. So even though there were a lot more copies printed of the newsstand version, um, they in high grade, yeah. they're in nine, six, nine, eight, they're much, much rarer. So they yeah, sell and, for a lot and more returns. Money magazine magazine companies still do today returns. When things go unsold, they rip the covers off, they throw the insides away, and they send the covers back to get credit for the next issue, so on and so forth. So right. I mean, so whatever you, printed there, I mean, how many were destroyed? Probably more than half so the run. Back then, if if your magazine was selling really, really well, you might sell through at 50%. Right. So right out of the gate, 50% of the books would have been destroyed right. uh, by tearing by tearing the cover off and having them returned. Yeah. Um, so that that goes to your point. The other, I mean, so many versions, so many books got uh mangled on the yeah. newsstand. I think the pop of nine eight, I think is two. I think there's two or three nine eights. Uh, wow, that's extremely version. low. For yeah, big they're, they're very yeah, they're very, very rare. Uh a last little anecdote about cover number one. It was actually a gift from Todd to my father. My father had sponsored Todd uh coming into the country, and my dad had bought a lot of artwork from Todd very early on when he still hadn't really achieved the very, very high status that he has today. And uh as a birthday gift, he said he never does commissions, he never does anything, but he did it for my dad. So the original artwork, uh, which was sold at Heritage, I think about nine or ten years ago, mm -hmm. there's a word balloon on it uh that says uh to the Wizard of Cards, Happy Birthday, Marty, or something like that right. on there, which was removed uh, from the cover when we used it on cover number one. We told Todd we were going to use it, and he was you know, happy to let us use it. We just removed that word balloon. Uh, but yeah, that's the story behind cover number one. That's interesting. I don't think many people know about that family history of like Todd McFarlane, Wizard, your dad, how influential your dad was in that early market, in that early world. Especially yeah, all the time. Yeah, my dad would buy artwork from Jim Lee, from Rob, from from Todd, and they used to do signings at my uh, my family store all the time. Mm -hmm. Every time Todd would come into New York, he'd pick him up at the airport. He'd stop at Marvel, pick up his art. Stop at DC, pick up his art. Back then, they didn't really ship it, and right. he lived in Canada. He lived in Canada, so he didn't want his artwork shipped to Canada. Uh, it, it was too risky, right? Back then, it wasn't as reliable as it was. Right. As Things now. got so lost just, constantly. Yeah, yeah, constantly. So, um, so he would pick it up. He'd do a signing in the store. Um, and that's kind of, yeah, my dad and Todd became friends for many years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wacky. Okay, cool. All right. So next, uh, the foreigner, not the band, not the band I've been waiting <laughs> for a girl. Like Although you. I'm probably going to play the band foreigner in the beginning of the, of the show. Just a, just a heads up before I edit it. That's what's going to be in, in front of the to show. Coming to <laughs> my life. We should do All karaoke. Right. We should you should do an ace comic con <laughs> karaoke and you'd be the head. All right. So Christopher <laughs> Abbott is playing this character, Alex. Yes, yes. And and not a character that I mean been around for a little while, but not a big character by any means. I mean, this is a character who's just essentially he's an assassin. Um, you know, he's you know, he was married to Silver Sable as probably like the best, the best, the biggest thing he's ever done. Um, and it's just been around. I mean, he he was friends with Chance, uh, another mercenary. In the, in the Spider-Man world, he's been around. He's just kind of in and out. I mean, nothing nothing really big, um, but, you know, cool name. Why not put him in a bunch of movies, you know? Yeah, and now these are going to blow up. Okay, so uh, the first appearance as a voice only, mm -hmm. uh, Web of Spider-Man number 15, uh, June of 1988, uh, Web of Spider-Man. Uh, those Web of Spider-Mans back then did have a decent 
pretty oh, yeah. That should be uh, but easy. they've probably been circulated so much over the years that I don't know how many good condition ones still exist. Uh, but there's 37 9.8. It's about $150. But you can expect when the film comes out, it's going to go crazy. Uh, first appearance of Chance, Nicholas Powell, Black Fox appearance, David Michelinie story, Mike Harrison, Kyle Baker, Art, Mark Beecham, and Joe Rubenstein cover. Then, uh, as the character, Spectacular Spider-Man number 116, July of 1986. Uh, a month later, uh, 99.8. Uh, that's about 115 bucks. That's going to go up. Uh, yeah. Sabretooth Foreigner and Black Hat appearance, Peter David Story, Rich Buckler art, and Bob, uh, Bob McLeod art. Okay. Then Spectacular Spider-Man number 129 is the next one. It's the first cover. Uh, August of 1987, 13, 9.8. It's about a $50 book, but that's going to go up because that's the first cover. Yeah. Uh, Foreigner definitely. and Black Hat appearance. Again, Peter David with Alan Cumberberg art with an Al Milgram cover. And then lastly, Spectacular Spider-Man number 209, great Foreigner cover. February of 94, 14, 9.8. It's also about 50 bucks. That's going to go up. Foreigner appearance, Black Cat backup story. Felicia Hardy proposes to Flash Thompson. Sal Buscema and Stephen Grant stories. Nelson Ortega and Harry Candelario art with Sal Buscema cover and artwork. So, by the way, Felicia Hardy proposed to Flash Thompson. I do not remember that storyline. Felicia honestly. Hardy, man, she, she dated around that Marvel Universe. Yeah, she's been she around the block around. a little bit. Well, a lot she, dated, she dated a lot of characters. I don't think they knew what to do with Black Cat for a long time. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you joining us today. If you have any questions oh, or comments, please. We got one more oh. left. Oh, we have one left that I missed? We have one more left. Yep, oh, I'm yep. sorry. Alex, I jumped Foreign, the gun. It was Foreigner. Foreigner just got stuck in your brain. You couldn't get You just on repeat, okay. on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. All right. The Rhino. Originally, the Rhino. originally appeared, by the way. How awesome would it have been if Paul Giamatti got I don't to play know why. that character? I don't know why not. One more time. I mean, why not? Like, why? Why? I mean, I guess I'm assuming that this is going to be a pre-Rhino Rhino, like maybe before he got powers or something. I don't know. Very interesting. I I would have loved to see Paul Giamatti in No Way Home as the yep. Rhino. Yep. Yep. I think but they probably knew he was going to be in the other movie. Yep. 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 But here's a this list was, of characters way, you can't use. That was before Giamatti really blew up, too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Bottle Shock, I think, was his big movie. But, uh, yeah, in everything. He's in everything. And then he blew up. Billions. Yeah. Okay, yeah. sorry, Alex. Let's go. <laughs> Rhino. The Rhino. Rhino. Yes, our, our friend Alec, Alec, Alexei Sitsevich. Um, but, yeah, Sitsevich. we all know the Rhino. I mean, he, he, character, he's a, he's a Russian mob. He got, he got uh, enhanced with powers. He became the Rhino. He's not smart. And he battles Spider-Man and the Hulk. Well, we know who the writer was. Mm -hmm. So longtime villain. So obviously appeared at the very, 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 very end of Spider-Man 2. We never got to see him again because they didn't make a third uh Andrew Garfield film. Uh this time it's played by Alessandro Nivola, another unknown actor, but that's good because uh you're not placing them anywhere, right? Yeah. Uh, so Amazing Spider-Man number 41, October of 1966. So these are not going to be available in high grades. So you're going to look for some of the newer stuff. Uh, three 9.8s, obviously 21 9.6s, 50 9.4s, 72 9.2s and 117 9.0s. About a $3,600 book in 9.2, 2900 bucks in 8.5, 725 in 7.5. So I think you're going to try to find a nice clean 7.580 copy of the rhino uh it's a great cover by the way too it's a kind of an awesome cover actually 
Uh, first appearance of the Rhino, Stan Lee story, John Romita art, John Romita cover. Amazing. Kind of a, yeah, I mean, when you get the Stan Lee, John Romita combo, it's, yeah. always a, it's always a good thing. Then Amazing Spider-Man number 43, uh, December of 66, 1198, 24 96s, 69 94s, about $875 book in 9.0. Again, Stan Lee story, John Romita cover and art. That's the origin of the Rhino. Uh, great cover. Again, I mean, these John Romita covers are all classics. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and then the other book to take a look at is Spider-Man 344. They printed a zillion copies of these books. I I mean, Alex, yeah. they printed yeah, I mean, a lot of copies. Yeah, look at the books. look at the pop for 98. They 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 yeah. uh yeah. they printed a lot of copies. I mean, this was the heyday of the heyday. Uh May Spider-Man 344, uh, February of 91, 1235 98, about $180 because it's such a high pop. A new stand nine eight is two fifty. That might be your best bet because that's going to be a tough one to find. Yeah. Uh, again, first yeah. appearance of Cletus Cassidy, Carnage, first full appearance of Cardiac, but the Rhino is on the cover as it's well. Cover. David Michelinie story, Eric Larson and Randy Everlin cover and art. So now, now yes. I'm going to say thank now you for joining it. us. If you have any questions or comments, please leave them in the field below. Otherwise, we will see you all next week. Same bad time. Same bad channel.